You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Our highlight was that last week uh, for Christmas Eve, we had over 500 people that were here at the church, and we had 12 uh, for sure that made first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it, can't be, it cannot get better than that. And so the new year is upon us now. And uh, as the new year comes upon us, uh, I'm going to close this year with uh, our, our final part of the Love Works series. And I really believe that the four purposes that uh, we have been kind of our goal for the church, I, I really believe that they are straight from the Lord. And I'll tell you why. I believe that God's in, in families. He loves families. And I, I, we've been emphasizing, emphasizing that. We've been emphasizing the fact that God is... Uh, he wants people to know that families are welcomed. And he wants people to know that families can be restored. Amen? Everywhere around us, beloved, there's broken families. And, uh, and, and the heart of God is families. In fact, that's what he said in the very beginning. He said it's not good for the man to be alone. It's God's idea, not ours. And so he restores families, and then he, he, he begins to ground you in, in how you're supposed to live your life. So I believe that God's in that. And then the second thing that we talked about is that the gospel needs to be proclaimed. Amen? The gospel needs to go out. And there are many methods in which the gospel has gone out throughout history. Think about John Wesley. He used to ride a horse everywhere he went, and he had a method of how he was going to start Bible studies. And his method became the Methodist Church because they have a method. But the, the, the thrust of it, the, the centrality of it, was that the gospel needed to be preached. And, and now we have an avenue from God that the gospel can be preached in, in, in so many different ways because we can do it through a podcast. We can do it through a live feed. We can do it through all kinds of different avenues. In fact, I had two families that texted me this morning that said they could not be in church, but they said this. They said, we will listen to the podcast. And so the gospel message can go out in a lot of different ways. And then we, we talked about how missions is important to God. And we are a mission-minded church. At this church, we believe that the, that the, 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 the word of God, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the good news, needs to go out beyond our four walls. It needs to go out into our communities. It needs to go out into our schools. It needs to go on even beyond our county. And into our state. It needs to go on beyond our state. It needs to go into uh, nationally. And if, if God opens the door for us, we will go through that door. How many of you know that God opens up doors? How many of you know that God opens up windows of opportunity? And so wherever the Lord opens up a door, wherever he opens up a window of opportunity, I believe we need to go through it. 
And then the last thing that, that I want to talk about, and that's, that's today. Um, the, the, the fourth purpose is that we need to be generous for the sake of freedom from debt. And I think that our country, and I think that a lot of us have been sold a deceitful lie, and that is that we should have what we want now. And because of that, people are in trouble. And uh, I put down here, the Bible reveals that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the context of that is he set us free from, from the law, which we could never obtain on our own strength, the commandments of God. And he set us free from sin. So the pendulum goes both ways. It goes that you're not under the law because you cannot perform at, a, at that standard and you can never keep the law. But you're also free from sin and that God is progressively moving us forward. He's moving us to become more like Jesus. He's be- and we become more free as we do so. And I come as one who has learned a lot of valuable lessons in this area of financial debt. I have learned that financial debt can be a stumbling block for us as individuals, for us as families, and for us as ministries. Amen? I was having lunch with a pastor the other day, and, he, and we were talking about, I said, we want to pay off our building, and we, want to, we don't want to be under that building loan. And our building loan is, I think, about 1100 Janet can, can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's around 1100 a month. And, uh, and he said, wow. He said, you know how much mine was? Well, you know, the, where, where he was pastoring, and it was like 30000 a month. It's all perspective, right? I mean, there was a bigger church, and... And so every, every month he would go to bed, he'd have to go to bed thinking, i got to pay a $30,000 mortgage. That's without the utilities and things like that. And, you know, there's probably churches that have a lot more than that. I, I don't know all that. But I do know this. I do know that God wants us to be set free from debt. And, um, and so as, as I prepared this sermon, it spoke to me first. Because Shauna and I have gone through uh, some very trying and learning times because of finances. And so as I was putting this together, and I, I had a talk with, with Janet and, and P-Dubs as I was putting the, the outline together, and they, they were really helpful to me. So I want to give them thanks on the front side because we kind of put this together. Uh, we put it together together, if that makes any sense, from different perspectives. So... Uh, I, I put together seven points to help us realize the benefits of freedom from financial debt and what that will accomplish. And let's pray. Okay. Father, thank you for first service. Thank you, Lord God, for the anticipation of a, of a wonderful new year. Lord God, anywhere that you are, it's a good thing. And so as we go into the new year, we pray that you'll go with us. Every step of the way, you're the faithful one of Israel, and so we trust you. And Lord, as I, as I speak today, I pray that you'll be with me, Holy Spirit, that, that you'll give me power and, and, and uh, the unction to, to speak boldly and yet humbly, Lord God, as we speak about this very important topic. And as we, as we uh, conclude, Father, as I finish this message, I pray that all of us collectively will, will, will say it's, it's been good to be in the house of God and it's been good to hear the word of God. Um, because we know that your word changes us. So we open our hearts to that. We open our minds to that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. So seven things or benefits that, uh, that will really help us to understand that generosity for the sake of freedom from debt is important. The first thing is, is that it provides peace. Peace of mind. Has anyone in this service ever fought over finances? Maybe the better question is, did anyone in this service fight over finances on the way to church? One of the benefits of being free from financial debt is peace and harmony. When you are, when you are living free from that weight, there's peace. There's harmony. That's a beautiful word, harmonious. A harmonious existence is wonderful. Harmony, I always think about it as an instrument. Or a band, when they're played together and it sounds really good, it's harmonious. The keyboard sounds in tune. The music sounds in tune and it's very harmonious. It, it sounds really good. Disharmony is when it's chaotic. And, and it seems to me, as far as my experience, I can't talk for anyone else, but I can speak from my own experience, that when you are in some kind of financial pressure, that there is usually no harmony in your home. Because there's no harmony in your heart. There's no harmony in your life. There's no peace in your life. Because all you do is think about this debt. Think about this, maybe a bill. Has anyone ever maybe gone to bed at night and you've got a bill that's pressing and you maybe cannot pay that bill? Has anyone ever, anyone ever, maybe it was your college day, we've never been there. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Just a big pressure right there. No peace. And a lot of people can live at that place. Not only do we have um, peace and harmony, but the other thing is peace of mind. Where your mind is at ease. And, and I, I, I've always said this, that I would not sell the peace. All the, all the money in the world would not tempt me enough. And I better be careful here. <laughs> better be careful, PJ, because we're all human. I pray that I will continually stay vigilant in this area, that, that I will not forfeit the peace of God for anything. Money has a way of kind of tempting us to allow for it to become our God. Because when you have money, you don't have to worry about things, so you think. That's a big lie. But Jesus said you cannot love, you can't have two masters, and the two comparisons... We're mammon and God. So money has a way, and I'm not saying money's bad. Money's an object, right? But the love of this object can really bring some disharmony. It can really bring some burdens. It could really bring some things. So Jesus, he tells his disciples this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. In other words, he's giving us his peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Notice that. The world offers a lot of things, doesn't it? Just think about life. 
Just think about commercialism. Think about all these things. He says, not as the world uh, gives do I give to you. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So he's making a, a, a vast comparison right there that there's a difference between what the world will offer and what he's going to offer. He says, peace I leave you. And then he says, my peace I give to you. So that tells us that Jesus, no matter what circumstance he was in, no matter what he was going through, there was peace in his life. Even as he's getting ready to go to the cross, even as he's going and he's facing those that, are, that hate him, there was peace in his life. And he said, not as the world will give to you, because here's the thing, the world will always offer us false, counterfeit peace. Religion will offer you false, counterfeit peace. But Christ said, if it's not my peace, it's not peace at all. He's talking to his disciples. He's apprising them that he is going to be crucified. But he assured them that he'd provide peace for their lives in all circumstances. How many of us want to live in the peace of God in all circumstances? How, how many of us have heard bad news in the last week? Yeah. How many of us have gone through something in the last week and, and, and you, 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 you draw on the peace of God in whatever circumstance you're in? Beloved, I can tell you right now that anything which will try to steal your peace or debunk your faith is not from God. And I know a lot of people that have sleepless nights because of finances. Financial stress is real, and it can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of heartache. And usually in a family, there's, there's, there's a... You've you got your husband, you've got your wife, you've got your, as Dave Ramsey said, you've got your free, uh, what are they called, the free, um, what is it? There's a nerd and then there's a free something. The free spirit. You always have you know, different personalities and you've got the nerd that say, we've got to stay on task and the free spirit that says, hey, let's live and be happy. Amen? But there's always someone, let me, let me just reverse, uh, rewind that. There's, there's usually someone in the family that says, we really need to stay on task. We need to, we need to keep this budget. Amen? And, uh, and when, when that's happening, usually that person keeps, carries the burden. I know in times in our lives when, when we've struggled in this area, um, that Shauna has been the one that's always done our finances and, and she protected a lot of, of, of that from me because I was doing ministry and I was working diligently to make sure that people got saved and people fell in love with God and, 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 and uh, at whatever, whatever cause or cost and, and Shauna carried that burden and, and I, I had to ask her forgiveness when I found out how heavy that burden was to her. Maybe there's someone in here that you're going through that right now and you don't have peace. I mean, because you're carrying that burden of debt and, uh, and you're carrying it maybe by yourself because you don't want to disturb your, your spouse or your family member. You don't want to tell anyone. And how important is it for us to release that? 
and walk in the peace of God. Believe me, I, I, if you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, God bless you. Debt can cause great strife. Anyone ever, you know, anyone ever had strife because of debt? Unforgiveness? Bitterness? The blame game? Well, you did it. You spent this. You did Huh? It's horrible when I come in and Janet, our administrator, says, You spent too much money. <laughs> Just kidding. She's fantastic. And so are the elders. We communicate about things. It can destroy individuals. High stress when you're carrying debt destroys people. You have physical ailments from that. It destroys marriages. We're going to go into how much, how much that, um, that causes. Maybe that's why Jesus said this. He said, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, they eagerly seek these things And your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. See, when I I put that scripture down, that passage, this is a peace of mind passage. It's a passage that will give us peace of mind because it's so true. People worry so much about what their next meal is going to be. What they're going to wear. And sometimes we even put ourselves in debt for what we're going to wear. Amen? We exchanged names this year for Christmas. We did the, you know, pick a name and, and, and you buy the present for that person. It was wonderful because it's only one gift. I had to buy two. I, I have to buy Shauna one too. And um, so we did that. And I went to the mall and we went to, to, to go buy a gift. And everywhere you go to pay, you want to pay cash. And I did. Thank you, Jesus. Pay cash. But everywhere you go, if you get a credit card, we'll, you'll save on your purchase. Now, there's got to be a something with that. They're not just really wanting to bless you, I don't think. There, there's something with that, Right? So sometimes we put ourselves in debt for what we're going to wear. And sometimes we'll put ourselves in debt for what we're going to eat. You with me? Sometimes we'll pay interest on a burrito. Really? But God's word reveals that he knows we need to eat. He knows that we need to... We need clothes to wear. And he tells us, if you'll seek me first, I will give you this and I'll give you more. I'll give you peace. Think about it, beloved. Think about that. And I think that in America, we bought into this system. And it's everywhere, you know, it's everywhere. Because if you're out of the country, people want to be like the Americans. And, and if you're in America, you want to be like the tooth trending, 
You know, I, get, I, I have Twitter, and, and so every week I get, look what's trending right now. Look at what's happening right now. And, and so you want to be this in person. You want you think about it. But if we, if we really take the Word of God and make it our, our, our goal, if we really just take a step back and make God our goal, He tells us that if we seek Him first, if we seek Him first, that He's going to provide everything else that we need. Do you think that God cares about what we're going to wear? Really, this, do you think God cares? Can, can, can I say this? I think He does. I think he loves us for who we are, but he loves us for how we dress too. Amen? I mean, he's not going to make you go broke for what you're going to wear. I mean, there was a time in, 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 a, in, in, in the church where if you didn't wear a suit, there was something wrong with you. Now, that was, in, that was a stereotype. Now the pendulum has gone a different way, and now if you don't wear jeans in the church, there's something wrong with you. At least I live in Word Chapel. But what I'm saying is that do you think God cares? Do you think he really cares? Does he, does he want people to make fun of you? This is for young people. Does, do you think God wants people to make fun of you, that he does not care about what you're going to wear? He does, because he cares about every aspect of our lives. Amen? But he wants for us to seek him first. He wants for us to make him first. I, I think that it would do a disservice to someone to tell them that God doesn't care about us and what we wear, and what we eat. You think God doesn't want me to eat a good green chili burrow? you kidding me? He doesn't want me to eat ten. <laughs> but He cares. Would you agree with me that God cares? Now, the church has always been known as a place which provides food for the hungry. Remember we mentioned the Salvation Army last week? Talked about that? 8,000 people were fed in Phoenix through the Salvation Army. That's Christ working. When William Booth founded the Salvation Army, he said, I want to honor you with everything we can to help people. Churches have always been known for feeding the hungry. It's a beacon of light. Churches have always been known for clothing those that need to be clothed. Man, we take clothes to Guatemala or to Mexico. I mean, they, the church, when they do that, they're blessed. Benefit number two. Freedom from debt demonstrates discipline. How many of you would agree that a disciplined life is healthy? The root of the word discipline is disciple. And as disciples of Jesus, we are constantly learning from the Master, and we're being molded to be like Him. How many of you would agree that it takes discipline when we go to the mall? How, I'm going to ask another question. How many of you would agree that it takes discipline when you go to Home Depot? 
Let me throw one at Pastor Bob. How, how many of you, PB, would agree that it takes discipline when you go to Barnes & Noble? It takes discipline when we do that because it takes discipline to wait on purchasing things that we desire. Has anybody ever made a purchase sporadically without waiting? Don't be banging your husband and your wife, though. And, And then you get buyer's remorse. Anyone ever got buyer's remorse? What? You're driving off thinking, what in the world did I do? Here's the benefits of discipline. It it, it develops patience. Remember that that girl in that video? I want patience now! It it develops contentment. To be content, that's one of our biggest problems is we want to be like our neighbors. We We want to have a car like Aunt Sally and Uncle Chewy. Are, are, am I speaking something false? No. And I love the way that Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen puts it. It says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. In other words, when everyone is having plenty, you have poverty because you say, you know what, I don't got to go out and till my land. I don't got to go out and do the work, the, the work that needs to be done on the front end. It speaks volumes to us because he or she who is disciplined on the front side will be blessed in due time. Amen? It's like someone getting a degree. If you study on the front side, as you go through the process, you're going to earn that degree. But if you don't study, what's going to happen? If you don't get discipline and study, you're going to flunk out. You with me? It's a future promise that must be exercised in the present. It takes discipline in life to achieve the goals that are set before us. And I was watching an NBA game this week. The Clippers were playing someone, and they, and they, and they put a quote of, of Blake Griffin. Anyone know who Blake Griffin is? That dude can dunk like crazy. And Blake, Blake Griffin, he played at Oklahoma. And uh, he, I mean, he's got hops. He can jump out of the gym. He's just incredible. But he's mentioned something that his high school coach said to him. And the high school coach said, fall in love with the process of becoming great. Notice that the high school coach did not say fall in love with becoming great. He said fall in love with the discipline and the work ethic and the rest will pay off. Does that make sense? Maybe this coming year we can collectively begin to discipline ourselves in what we buy or don't buy. And that's speaking right to me. Because there's about ten things I'd love to buy right now. Benefit number three. About freedom from debt. It demands determination. How many of you believe that you have to be determined to complete this Subject. Determination is defined firmness of purpose. In other words, your firm and your stance 
for this purpose. It's, called, it's also uh, defined as fixed purpose. Or an act of discovering something. In other words, you want to discover something new. You're determined that I'm, gonna, I'm going to, to, to find this new thing. I'm going to be able to discover it. It would be like Ruth playing the keyboard and, and someone introduces her to a synthesizer. Wow. Imagine that. And, and so she's determined. It's, so, it's new to her. But I'm going to find out how I'm going to play it. And I'm going to add these different sounds. And Mike's going to be singing. Right? It's something new. Determined. It's determining to stay on course. And I think it's a worthwhile purpose for the church to be debt-free and to stay determined until this occurs. We'll talk a lot about that in a bit. Proverbs puts it like this. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief or officer or ruler, she prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. God teaches us through his creation how to stay determined and not give up because it will pay off in the future. Here's something that happened that I think is really cool. It's so awesome. And, 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 uh, and, and the accounting department came up with this. And, and, and the elders came together and we said, yes, that's a wonderful thing to do. So we pay a monthly mortgage, $1,100, about that, um, uh, every month. And, and so, so Janet brought this to our attention. She said, why don't we, every week, from the offering, every week we're going to take $25, $25, and we're going to send it weekly to the principal of our debt. So we've been doing that. And then for the past three years, to this year, we've decided that we're going to send $50. And so if you send $25, it knocks down your principal $1,300 a year. And if you do it for, for $50, which is what we're going to do this year, it'll knock it down $2,600. It's like an ant working every week preparing for the future and the harvest, the harvest being souls, that we're thinking, you know what, let's try to knock this debt down. And, and, and there's people that care so much about this, like a Janet Walker that says, we need, to be, we need to be working right now. We need to be diligent. We need to be determined. Amen? Not just talking about it, but doing it. I thank God for, for what he's done in, 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 in her and and in us to do that. Benefit number four. It requires honesty. You ever lied to your spouse about a purchase? Don't raise your hand, please. You guys talk about it later. Here's the question that you get. Did you use your debit today? Like if they can't figure that one out, huh? And your reply it might be, uh, n- no, not really. Right? Ah, no. This is my wife's favorite one. You use the debit. No, I just put gas, babe. I didn't use it. (laughs) Honesty is so important to finances. Amen? Integrity. Here, honesty builds integrity, and integrity is not perfection. 
Integrity is simply being honest and owning up to failure sometimes when we fail. Amen? Not sometimes, all the time. Integrity just means that you're honest about things. And you know what honesty builds and integrity? What does it build? It starts with T, with a T. R, U, S, T. What does it spell? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. It builds trust. So when they say, did you, did you use your debit? I put gas. I know you did. Right? And then you welcome accountability. The church should be accountable. Every year... In our Constitution, it says this. Every year, we're supposed to give a financial uh, presentation to the church of where we are and what happened the last year. That happens on the third week of March, I believe. Every Sunday. I mean, third Sunday of March. You've ever been here for that? We elect new officers and we, we give a financial report. Why? Because we want to be accountable. When Shauna and I have gone through our most difficult times, what God has led us to do is be accountable. One time I went to the elders. I want to talk to you guys about something. I I want to be honest with you. Before I even do anything, I want to be honest with you. Hardest thing I ever did. But it, it bred accountability. If you're not accountable, there's trouble. Because then you do things secretly. And that's always a remedy for disaster. If Janet Walker did things secretly, it would be a remedy for disaster. She brings it to the pastors. She brings it to the elders. You with me? It's really quiet here, this first service. <laughs> Proverbs helps us here. It says, wealth that is obtained by fraud will dwindle. Have you noticed that, that, that drug lords... They make millions and billions, but it's short-lived. I have some cousins that have done that. Cousins. It's short-lived. But the one who gathers by labor will increase it. I had a conversation with someone just two weeks ago, and I said, you know what, when you work, work hard, dude. Work hard. And when you go to sleep at night, you're going to sleep good. You're not going to be watching over your back to see who's going to kill you. This year would be a great time to start being honest with our spouses about spending. And God will honor it. Right? Benefit number six of generosity for the sake of being freedom from debt, it encourages teamwork. We can always accomplish things better together. We can always accomplish things better together. Teamwork reinforces accountability. Amen? Could you imagine if you're, if you're working and you're, you're working hard... Every husband in here, I'm going to say, if you're working, you're working hard to provide. And you wives that are in here, you're working hard to provide. 
And if you live your life and you say, you know what, this is what we are doing together, and you bring it together, you'll do more than what you'll do separately. But if you say, this is mine, don't touch it. It breeds untrust. It breeds division. It breeds separation. Some of you guys are saying, well, do I have to tell her about everything? Because that's a temptation for all of us. Amen? But teamwork is wonderful. And the church is about teamwork. You know, why do we put the participation chart up there? Because we want everyone to celebrate. We're doing this together. I don't want, not only I, God doesn't want for two or three people to fund the church. He wants for us to do it collectively. You know, when you fill out your, your, your envelope, and, the, and it's not, it has nothing to do with anything, but when you fill out that envelope, you should be saying, praise God, I'm going to be counted. It helps you with your taxes, but that's not the reason you're doing it. You want to be counted. That this, we're a part of what God's doing here. This local church, we believe that God is working through the church. And if it's not, you, then you go someplace else, but you be counted someplace else. Amen? I love the way First Chronicles puts it. Uh, uh, it says, Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offerings to the Lord with a, whole, with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. And the people of God here, were co- they collectively came together and provided for the building of the temple that Solomon would build, a place where God could be worshipped. Can I tell you how awesome it is whenever we come together and, and we do what we do? We have done an amazing thing. We've expanded this. We have, uh, by, by God's grace, that used, to be, that used to be the end of Living Word Chapel, right there where, where Braden is. That used to be the end. And then the stage went that way. We built all this. We. Then a student, then a children's center. Because the children's center used to be, when I first came over here, the children's center used to be where our offices are. Then we had a bunch of kids come. Hijuela, nada. Built a children's center. And then a bunch of teenagers started to come. Man. Built an Ignite Center. And now we're, we're, we're building a place for people to get married. Why? Because the need is here. There's a need for... Couples to get married the way God ordained it. So we invite them. And we put a playground. How, how, maybe some of you guys think, you know what, the playground, who cares? I care and God cares. In fact, I'm driving down through Catalina and I, there's a recreation center right next to it. There's a little park. I was driving yesterday. Sean was telling me something. And I'm, I just look at that playground. Look. A playground. That's exactly what we need. That's, that's what it should look like. It had, a, it had a sail on top of it. Look at it next time you're driving. Right there in Catalina, it's got, a, it's got a little shade on top of it. Why do we need a shade on top of a playground? Because it's really hot in Arizona. But we will do it together, beloved. And when a child plays in that playground, they're playing because of you. When a person gets married, even though you're not giving the vows, they're getting married because of you. 
teamwork. I was thinking about this. This is so cool. Don't, isn't it cool when the Lord gives you something? So I was putting that point together. The Lord showed me there's a woman. Jesus is checking out what people are giving. That's cool in itself. He's standing right by the money, the, the, the money box. And he's just checking everyone out what they're giving. And the disciples are going, you know, I don't, he didn't say this. I'm just thinking to myself, Lord, what are we doing? Checking everyone out, give into the offering. And this woman, this little lady comes and she gives two pennies, two mites. And the Lord said, she's, she's given more than everybody. She gave all she had. And what I began to process is that what Jesus was looking at is that not only did she give all she had, and it wasn't as much as everyone gave. So, so God's not interested in the, the, the percentage. God's interested in, in, in the participation. Are you with me? That was so cool. He's saying she participated. He recognizes that. Benefit number six, when, when, you, when you're free from debt, it generates generosity. Because I think that most Christians want to be generous. Amen? I think that most Christians want to give to the work of God. How could you not? It's God's work. But will you agree with me in this statement? It's hard to be generous when you have so many bills that there's nothing left over. Someone would say elementary, dear Watson. So it causes, instead of rejoicing, it causes what? Stress. But I think every Christian has to determine to put God at the top of their budget. You have to determine to do that. Amen? Because if we put God at the bottom, guess what happens? There's nothing left over. But if we put God at the top, do you think that He's going to say, I'm going I'm to leave things for you to have, for everything else to be met? Seek Him first. And his righteousness? Are you with me? And you're saying, well, what, what, what do I give? Give whatever the Lord places on your heart. If you want to start giving a dollar, start there, but give it with joy. Amen? I love the way that God's word helps us here. In uh, Deuteronomy 15.10, it says, and, and this is really cool. I'm going to explain it right now. It says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then, then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to do. Now, this is very cool because the context is, is that every seven years, the Israelites were commanded by God to excuse the debt of others with the promise that he was going to provide for them. And more than anything, I think it's a heart check. When it comes to money, isn't it a heart check? Doesn't it check our hearts? Could you imagine the Israelites? Now this guy owes me, he owes me this much, Lord. Release him. Give to him. Bless him. 
and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repay you for that. Isn't that cool? I believe God will always bless us when we are generous. And Pastor Bob mentioned this in his, in his, uh, in his talk about giving. It's from Acts 20.35. It says, In everything, Paul's talking, In everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Jesus. I think every Christian desires to internalize this truth, but debt can keep us from experiencing it. I was once asked this question, how do you eat an elephant? And I said, I don't know if I even want to eat an elephant. And the response to me was, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. How do you pay off debt? One dollar at a time. Amen? How do we become more generous as a church? We pay our debt and we become better stewards of God's money. And let me say this. Let me say this, beloved. I marvel at the generosity of the people at LWC. I marvel at the generosity at this church. But we need to keep pushing forward until the Lord come, comes. The last benefit is uh, it expands ministry. Simply put, we are called to do ministry and we will accomplish more by living free from debt. I thank God for our elders. I thank God for Janet, our administrator, because their hearts are to do ministry and their hearts are to honor God. And their hearts are set on being good stewards of God's resources. Because, beloved, it takes money to do ministry. Would you agree with that? I love the way that Paul encourages the churches to be ready to give for the ministry. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. So there's a collection going to be taking place for those in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Beloved, ministry is what the church does. Twelve souls were added to the kingdom on Christmas Eve. And it would never have happened if you did not give. You see, headset mics for singers and kids to use for drama. Those headset mics cost money. But when they're working good, the ministry goes fantastic. Sound system makes it available. Lighting, heat... People love coming into a warm sanctuary. Amen? 43 people were baptized this year, and it's because of your generosity that many will come. They love the parking lot. They love the nice seats. They like pastors that can visit them. They love pastors that can take two to three days to prepare a sermon. And people like it when a church secretary will answer their call. 
Hello, Living Word Chapel. This is Teresa speaking. And they love it when an assimilation director can check on every first-time visitor and let them know how important they are to God. My last scripture is from 1 Corinthians 16.2, and it says, On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections may be made when I come. First day of the week is Sunday. That's when Christians met. And Paul is saying, when you give, he said, God will prosper you to give to the ministry. Because Paul was going to come to the church in Corinth. And he didn't want to take up the collection there. He said, let that collection already be done every first day of the week for those in Jerusalem. Amen? Purposeful giving. Giving that's going to honor God. You see, that's what we're doing together, beloved. We're giving as God prospers us so that we can expand the ministry. And he entrusted this to each of us and he will provide for his work. God will always provide for his work. Can you close your eyes with me? I'm going to leave mine open, but just close your eyes if you don't mind. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.